everybody. Welcome to Vantage Point Podcast. My name is Nick. I just want to welcome you guys back to another week of this amazing podcast and just want to kick everything off with just a, a thank you for the response that, that I've gotten over our uh, part one of seasons that we started last week. Um, I definitely encourage anybody that's listening to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or on our IG page at This Is Vantage Point. I would love to hear from you and uh, just how we're doing, how this uh, is impacting you and how this series is helping you. And so I was actually uh, doing some recording this past weekend with another um, podcast host, and it was something, um, it was kind of a dual um, interview where I interviewed um, her and then uh, she interviewed me for hers. And one of the things she said is that um, really the series that she's been listening to with Vantage Point um, really have been impacting, and, and she, she refers to them as life series, which I absolutely loved. And so going forward, that's going to be a vernacular that I use and, and when we talk about our series on Vantage Point. And um, just another uh, piece of uh, just great news and why, why uh, feedback is so important, uh, received another um, review from someone who mentioned just how we are able to reach both Christian and non-Christians um, and I think sometimes when you use vernacular and when you the way you say things, the way you do things, definitely um, allow people to be more open to hearing, um, especially from God and um, just trying to take a lot of the, the vernacular that you might hear at church or anything like that. Because, you know, Vantage Point is a Christian podcast. It's not a church. It's not a, in, in that way. Um, but we're definitely a Christian podcast and everything we talk through. Uh, will be through the lens of Christ and what the Word of God says. And so I want people to feel that they can listen. Um, and so I'm just so glad and so thankful uh, to just have uh, those reviews. So definitely keep them coming. And so I uh, just want to do a quick recap from last week. We started a series, like I mentioned earlier, called Seasons. Um, and part one was The More You Know. Um, and we looked at the four no's and not N-O's, but K-N-O-W's, and uh, that apply to every season. And, and basically, we boiled it down to no, you must embrace it. No, you don't know. No, it's going to be different. And no, you're going to get through it. Um, I definitely encourage, if this is your first time listening to Vantage Point, to go back and check out part one of Seasons and then any other of the uh, life series that we've done. Uh, but this week, I wanted to go a little bit deeper um, into seasons and actually look at um, a biblical story of someone who went through um, or experienced a season um, in his life. And so really want to take some time to to really dive into the book of Job today. Um, and just looking at my research, I can tell you that the book of Job is, is one of the more difficult books um, in the Bible to read. And um, like we talked about last week, you know, we can we can celebrate seasons of growth and increase. Um, and even love reading about them. But when it comes to things like loss and decrease and suffering, uh, it's a whole lot less attractive. I mean, if we go look at our IG feeds or our Facebook feeds, um, it's a lot of good on there. But I don't think we probably post or share um, a whole lot about those types of seasons. And so um, something that, that I said in part one that, that really rings true in the book of Job is we can't um, look at our seasons as good or bad. We have to focus on how we feel in those seasons and how what we can gain from them and, and where our focus is and what God wants from us in those seasons. And um, and thinking of the title of this series, um, a basketball term just kept coming into my head, and, and I think it's so fitting for it um, and for 
for my non-sports uh, people out there, I'm going to break this thing down. But there's a term in basketball um, that's used when a player's on a hot streak. I'm talking like Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Trey Young. I mean, people that just that are just hitting shot after shot after shot. I mean, they literally can't miss, um, and that feels good, right? That's a, that's a, that's an amazing thing, right? And so sometimes in that midst of that, right, a player. Uh, we'll take a shot that's a little bit uncharacteristic, maybe a, a long range uh, shot or something like over three people, something crazy that they'll try to do. Um, and the hope is if they make this shot, it literally will show them like, man, I can't miss I can hit anything at this point. Right. And the term is actually called heat check. Um, and what it ultimately proves is that while you're made, while you've made some amazing shots, um, you can't make them all right and you're going to miss sometimes and so that really like i said that led me to really the the title of part two of seasons uh which is going to be heat check and just like i said going into the book of job um just in the beginning of it we find that um job who is uh right off the bat he's described as an upright righteous man uh chapter one uh verse one and three from the message version says job was a man who lived in ooze uh, he was honest inside and out, a man of his word, who was totally devoted to God and hated evil with a passion. He had seven sons and three daughters. He was also very wealthy. Uh, 7,000 heads of sheep, 3,000 camel, 500 teams of oxen, 500 donkeys, and a huge staff of servants, the most influential man in all the East. Uh, verse 4 and 5 goes on and says, His sons used to take turns hosting parties in their homes, always inviting their three sisters to join them in their merrymaking. Um, when the parties were over, Job would get up early in the morning and sacrifice a burnt offering for each of his children, thinking maybe one of them sinned by defying God inwardly. Um, and Job made a habit of this sacrificial atonement just in case they sinned. Um, so right off the bat, we see um, that Job, by all accounts, is an he's in an amazing season of life. Um, he's devoted to God. He has his integrity, his family, his possessions, wealth, joy, really didn't want for anything by all accounts, right? And even the author describes how he would pray over his family um, in the, in, in to, to protect them in, in the off chance that they um, sinned. Um, and then we shift to this, this interesting meeting in heaven. Um, and the members of the heavenly court or in the Hebrew, Hebrew they're called the sons of, of God. Um, and in this meeting, God brings attention to Job um, as being upright and, and righteous. And then Satan, the accuser, as it's as he's called in Scripture, tells God that Job is only that way because you bless him and protect him. Um, Satan basically challenges God and says, if you take that away from him, he will curse you. Um, God says, OK, you can you take all that away from him, but don't harm him. Um, in the next 10 verses, we see Job loses everything. Verse 14, he loses his oxen and donkeys. Verse 15, he loses the rest of his animals and farmland. Um, in verse 16, he loses his sheep and, and the shepherds. In 17, he loses his camels and servants. And in 19, he loses his children. Um, the one thing I, I, I find interesting about like that whole section of, of, of the book is Job just kept getting bad news after bad news after bad news after bad news. Like he had no time to really process anything. And then the running theme is while he was still speaking, meaning the person who was giving Job the information while that person was speaking about 
the oxen and donkeys, here comes the person about the farmland. Once they were in the midst of their sentence, here comes the servants and then the culminated all, you lost your children too. You lost your home. You lost your children. Um, there was literally no break in that. Um, and this goes again in chapter 2 where um, the heavenly courts are coming together again and they have the same conversation. Um, but this time it's focused on his health. And, and Satan says in verse 4, you know, skin for skin, a man will give up everything he has to save his life, but reach out and take away his health and he will surely curse you to your face. So God says, all right, do with him as you please, but spare his life. And here we have Job with nothing. I mean, he started with everything. We we read the scripture. He had it all. He had his, his family, his health, his wealth. And now literally he's within an inch of his life. He, he has nothing at all. Um, and, and when it comes to seasons like these, I, I really want to just point this out that, you know, seasons of loss, um, th- this is where those heat checks come in. This is where, you know, we have to really look at ourselves to see where we are. Um, and I believe like we can pull four things from the story of Job, from the life of Job, um, that we need to ask ourselves in tough seasons. And then through this heat check, we can educate ourselves to the needs of these seasons. And so for the first one, first heat check is what do you feel in the heat? Um, from the, from the first moments we've spent with Job, one thing is clear. He, he feels, he has a feeling, he has feelings about his season, uh, Job 1, 20 through 22 says, Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin by blaming God. In the midst of, of, of him losing his possessions, he, he gave God praise. But I want you to, to focus in on a, another piece of that scripture right before the praise. And it's in verse 20, and it says, Job ripped his robe in grief, and he shaved his head before he worshiped. And those two acts are very um, key because what they express in that time when you ripped your clothes or when you shaved your head or something like that, that was an expression of the sorrow you felt, the sadness you felt over over loss, over a death or something like that. And so I, I think that's key for us because, you know, whether it's been you or somebody you know or, or I know for me, um, when it comes down, you know, someone's going through a tough season and you know they are, right? I mean, it, it's clear. It's blatant. Like, I mean, Job's loss is clear. His children have died. He's lost everything he had. So it's it's like you can't hide that, right? But yet we know people or even ourselves, someone comes and asks us that million-dollar question, how do you feel, what's going on? You know, we pivot into positive words. You know, I'm blessed, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm making it or I'm doing – but we rarely get the realness, right? Like, no, I'm hurt. Like, this sucks. I'm, I'm lo- I've lost my job. I've lost this. I've lost that. Um, you know, and, and, or I'm okay. Like, I know for me, like the worst thing somebody can say to me in response, if I ask them that, um, is I'm okay. Um, because I'm okay is like a safe, it's a safe way. It's a safe place. Like I don't really, I'm not really the greatest, but I'm not really the worst. So I'm okay. So that kind of puts, you know, for me, it's like, I know I, I feel more than okay. I, I, and I'm not saying I feel more 
like in a positive way, but I know like that shook you. Like, let's talk about that. Let's like, don't hold that in. Um, and during our seasons, we have to be able to speak, um, on what we feel. We can't just positive vibe our way, um, through seasons of loss and sorrow. Um, the truth is we hurt. The truth is we're sad. We can feel empty. Um, and what Job, um, says when his health is taken is something we, we may even feel in those times, which is just defeated and even angry at God or mad about the situation. And, and Job three, the entire chapter, um, is like the rawest, most transparent of what Job feels in the heat. Right. Um, and it begins, it says at last Job spoke and he cursed the day of his birth. I mean, through this whole chapter, he's saying things like, you know, let the night be childless, curse the day for failing to shut my mother's womb. Um, I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest. Only trouble comes. Uh, and, and the truth is we've all been there. We've all had a season or two or three that makes, that makes us question a lot. Um, and, and the beginning of walking through that season starts with acknowledging the full extent of what we feel and lamenting or expressing out those feelings. Um, and that leads me to the second heart, the second heat check. Uh, with ourselves is who is with you in the heat. Um, and for Job, there's there's really two, we see two instances of, of who's with him during this, right? First thing we see is wife, and this is the first time we hear from her. Um, but after his health is attacked, verse eight in chapter two says, um, it was sores that he, that he was inflicted with and they itched so bad that he used a piece of broken pottery to scratch. Um, and she says to him, you're still holding on to your precious integrity, are you? curse God and be done with it. Um, another translation, the NLT says, curse God and die. Um, and then we see Job's friends come. And, and at first, like friends should, they sit with him. Um, they even also tear their robes and show a connection to his suffering. Um, and the Bible even says they sat with him for seven days and said nothing. Um, and, and after Job's words um, about cursing his death or cursing his birth and, and wishing he was dead, um, his friends begin to speak, and literally the next 33 chapters of this book um, are are this intense, crazy dialogue between Job and his friends. Um, and you would think like they're trying to encourage and 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 uplift and and on all of those things, but really what they're doing is they're trying to help him figure out why he's going through what he's going through. And, and so they're, they're trying to pull everything. They're trying to talk about, you must have sinned. You must have done something wrong. And, and he's constantly coming back like, no, I'm, you know me. I'm innocent. What are y'all talking about? And he's literally going through this thing with his friends. Um, and they're sharing their thoughts and their ideas um, to try to help him justify this, this season. Um, but remember, again, he's an upright, righteous man who's done nothing wrong. But yet his friends are trying to poke and prod to find something that can explain it, right? Um, at one point, Job replies in chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, he says, One should be kind to a fainting friend, but you accuse me without any fear of the Almighty. My brothers, you have proven as unreliable as a seasonal brook that overflows its banks in the spring. Job goes on in verse 29 to say, Stop assuming my guilt, for I've done no wrong. So literally we have his wife, who wants him to give in and give up. We have his friends who, despite them knowing who he is 
in his character, they want to continue to find a way based on their understanding of a wrong he must have done during to deserve what he's going through. Um, and, and one thing I, I want to point out is like when it comes to seasons, an important in something so important is, is the people around you. Um, wh- what I've come to find in my seasons of of of, of just suffering and loss and all of these things. Um, is on the flip side of that seasons of prosperity, growth, building, all of those, the, the highlights of seasons, you can find a whole bunch of people around you. Um, they want to see what's going on. They want to celebrate, maybe even contribute. But when the seasons like Job's come, the seasons of struggle, strife, loss, friends are in short supply, the encouraging words are few, and doubt, speculation, maybe even judgment comes into play. Um, but here's the the biggest thing I I want you to take from this point is know that every friend you have, every person is not meant for every season you're going through or said differently. Everyone, you know, can't go where you're going. They aren't built for it. They're not built for your seasons. Um, so really when you think about it, like we, we see all the people, for instance, you're, let's say you're a college graduate, right? And you just had your, your high school graduation. We can, we can focus on everybody who was there celebrating and, and, and taking pictures and posting and tagging and all those things. Right. But when it comes to the late night studying or the praying over that college rejection letter, um, or whatever that is for you after that high season, um, you know, take notice of the people around you and, and, and how they respond in those seasons. Because I think what we'll find is that circle you have, that community, you know, you, you really want to know the community who's with you in the suffering. That's the community who's going to stand with you. They're not going to judge you. They're not going to sit there. Will they be transparent? Will they be honest with you? Yes, they will. Will they, will they pray for you? Will they encourage you? Yes, they will. Um, but when they, but they're going to do it at those lowest moments and they'll be there when to celebrate too, but they're going to also be there in those, in the midst of those suffering moments too. Um, and, and that really takes me to a, to my third point. My third heat check is whose are you in the heat? Um, and, and right before God speaks, cause there's, like I said, there's these 33 chapters of this back and forth with his friends. And then there's another person who comes in another friend, um, who name is, his name is Elihu. And while he doesn't necessarily give into the notion that Job must have sinned, um, he does make it clear that Job should not accuse God of this suffering um, in the way that he does. And this friend is also clear to point out that God is indeed in control. Um, and that includes in control of Job's life and everything going on in it. Um, and then after he gives his speech to um Job, who doesn't even respond, this is like the first time Job doesn't respond to somebody. Um, here comes God in chapter 38. And this chapter, the next two, I mean, it is like a, a literal all out assault um, from God. I mean, it's like a scene in a courtroom on law and order. This is like the cross examination of all cross examinations. Um, and during this whole time, these 30, first 33 chapters, you know, God is just listening to his friends, to him, his wife, and they're all just going on and on, right? And even back in chapter 31, verse 35, Job says um, a pretty bold statement to God. He says, if only someone would listen to me, look, I sign 
my name to my defense. Let the Almighty answer me. Let my accuser write out the charges against me. Um, and what God does is he literally lays out some of the just boldest questions, boldest, just takes Job on a journey of being God is the best way that I can say that from when the deer give birth to when the goats do their thing to when, you know, the, the sun rises and the, and the thunder, do you, he's, I mean, he's literally asking Job, do you have the power and the knowledge and the understanding to run the world? And he's literally asking Job, can he do any of this? Asking Job, can he do any of this? Um, and, and there's literally, uh, this goes back, uh, to the back and back and forth debate, um, with even him and his friends on why he's suffering. Um, you know, the, the friends believe, um, that since God is just, you know, Job must have sinned. This is what's led to this season. And, And the truth of the matter is that Job and his friends have such a limited perspective on the working of the world and how God keeps everything in order. God is looking at Job and all of us in a larger scale, a larger scheme of things, even a macro view that we can't comprehend. You know, we we see our current season, we see the microcosm of who we are. And if we look at, if we compare ourselves and our seasons in the greater scheme of what God does, um, it, it doesn't compare. Um, and, and ultimately what we don't see and we can't comprehend the vantage point that God has in running the world. Um, I'm reminded of Romans eight twenty eight that says all things work together for our good. And point, point blank bottom line is that we have to trust that when we signed up, when we gave our lives to God, that that didn't just mean seasons of joy, but it also meant seasons of sorrow. It also meant seasons of suffering. It also meant seasons of loss. And this re to me this reinforces this old song that 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 we you may or may not know but it's he's got the whole world in his hands and God truly does have the world in his hands he, he it's in his covering everything we see in the world stems from God in this world we belong to God and when seasons come we're still his and he's still in control um and then we get to the end of job and then this is the last heat check is what did you gain from the heat? Um, And for Job, it was humility. We can go look at uh, Job 42, 1 through 6. It says, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. This is Job speaking. You ask, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. And I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with your with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. And it's just when you go through these seasons of suffering, you you really understand like where you are and whose you are. But you gain this this level of humility that even God in his goodness can take me through a season and I can still come out of it um, alive. I can still come. I may come out different. I may come out more not, you know, still confused, 
but what can I gain from it? What did I get from it? And and humility is, is one of those things that you can definitely latch on to when it comes to um, these seasons, these struggling seasons. Um, and, and another one is understanding that God is in control. You know, a- after God's r- words to Job, um, there just had to be this immense understanding that, you know what? God has full control of what happens in my life. God has full control of the outcome of what that happens. And for me, the understanding is the same God that provided the reaping season will provide the sowing, will provide in the sowing season. And we can't lose sight of his hand um, on us. And while we're even in the suffering and sorrow and strife, that he's right there. Because I think sometimes we get into this, this for, oh, why have you forsaken me? And, and God is, I'm right here. I haven't left you. I have I'm, I'm right here. And during these seasons is when, you know, we've heard the cliches of, you know, that's when you got to hold on to God more. You got to hold on to God more. I, I think we just, I, I, yes, I do believe we, we do need to do that. But I would say as, as we grow deeper with God, as we continue to build our relationship, the season doesn't dictate our grasp on God. Our relationship with God dictates our grasp on God. And, and it doesn't matter what season comes. It doesn't matter what things come. We we know we're fixed on it. We know we're fixed on what he has for us and what he's going to get. Through. What am I going to take from this season that's going to propel me into my next? And when Job, I believe, gained this humility and this understanding, this ultimately led to his new season. And one of the best things about reading um, the book of Job is the end. And we see the season of suffering in through an obedience when he prays for his friends. And even Job 42, 10 through 14 says, when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored all of his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. The, all the all his brothers, his sisters, his former friends came and feasted with him in, in his home. They consoled him and comforted him because they knew of all the trials the Lord had brought against him. And each of them brought him a gift of money and a gold ring. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning. Now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camel, 1,000 teams of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also gave Job seven more sons and three daughters. And verse 16 says, Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. Then he died an old man who had lived a long, full life. And as I close part two of seasons, I I just want to just give you this little bit that, you know, we can take a lot from the story of Job. You know, we have a man by every account was good. He was blameless, sinless is what, you know, we can even say that he he was righteous, right standing man before God. And yet God took him through a season of suffering and loss. And, and, and for whoever's listening to this, whether it's the day it comes out or five years from now or 10 years from now or whatever season it is like the 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 season, these types of seasons will come. You know, we don't stay in the seasons of prosperity and growth and and, and reaping um, all day. And, you know, we won't know when those seasons come. We're not going to know how long they're going to last. We won't even know how we'll feel until we get there. Um, But the key for us is to make sure that, 
you know, we're, we're checking ourselves through our feelings. We're being honest with God about those feelings, being honest with yourself and being honest with others, our circle, right? And speaking of our circles, we have to check our circles. I said it earlier, not every friend and family member is built for every season you're going to go through. Your suffering isn't meant to be shared with everybody. Not every season is for everybody. Know that God has you and he always will. Through every season, he's right there. I mean, even look back on those seasons and make sure you've gained something. There's nothing worse than getting through a season and the only thing you can say is I made it. Like, that's good, but did you gain something? Did you pray more in that season? Did you did you grow in your, your spiritual language? Did you connect with God deeper through his word? Did you get more understanding of the word? Like, there's always something to be gained if we look for it. Um, and lastly, I just want to just pray over anybody that's going through a season of suffering right now. And I just pray that, that, that you know that God is with you. I pray that, that even in the midst of whatever this is, whatever, even in the midst of our pandemic, our country, what we're going through around the world, whatever, wherever you are, that you know that God is with you. He's walking with you. He's standing with you. Um, he hears your prayers. He hears your heart. He hears your cries. And this season, we, you will get through. You will gain something from it. And it's going to be better on the other side. It's You're going to get another season of growth. You're going to have more seasons of prosperity. You're going to have more seasons of joy. And and these seasons of suffering come. And, and, it's, it's, and, and a lot of times, like Job, it's not anything you did. It's just God in his control. And I pray that you speak to him and you get that understanding just as Job did and, and walk in humility and trust that God has your best interests in every season. Thank y'all so much for rolling with me another week. We're going to see you back on Vantage Point next week for week three of season.